Hi everyone and welcome to Cloud Talk, a West Coast Cloud podcast series that is hosted by our wonderful selves at West Coast Cloud. We're now entering the first series of it, so we've got a few episodes signed off with the lovely Microsoft helping us along the way. So the whole point of the podcast series really is to go through anything that's kind of changing in the channel for us to then relay back to our wonderful partners. So if you do like it, we've obviously got a subscribe button in Spotify, iTunes, wherever you want to do. And yeah, so I think we haven't really done a huge amount of planning, which is always the best way we feel with podcasts. We kind of just put together some episode plans and then we'll talk about what we see going on in the market or business development in regards to what's shifting around or how the cloud industry is changing. So with that being said, we decided to focus obviously the first episode on something that no one's ever heard of before, <laughs> which is the pandemic. We're hopefully, uh, this could go really badly as I'm recording this. We're hopefully getting near the end of it. Cautiously optimistic, yeah. Yeah, but I've, I've, I've heard this being said before, usually at the back end of last year, that it was never going to happen again and we wouldn't still be in this situation. So we're, we're going to plod along with it. Um, yeah, we didn't record a podcast this time last year. That that was the mistake, Tom. We didn't. I suggested it. <laughs> Luckily, it never happened. So just to get introductions out of the way, the other person you're hearing is the wonderful David Cox, who is part of our Azure team here. You can intro yourself, Dave. I don't mind. Cool. Hi. Talking away in the background. <laughs> Hi, guys. I'm Dave. I'm the Azure team lead here at West Coast Cloud. Yeah, it's great to be here to chat. There you go. That's that's. As succinct as an introduction as you could possibly do. No nonsense. Yeah, we're here to talk no. about Azure, not me. Well, you say that. <laughs> we've only, we, remember, we've only got 20 minutes. That's why Steve's not here. So, <laughs> okay. So, yeah, the, the first episode is kind of how we, looking back on the last year, how we've helped particularly partners adapt to a working from home environment or how they've then helped their customers in a working from home environment. Because we we spent the best part of five years before now, yeah. or before it started, should I say, saying that, you should be looking at working from home. No one should be stuck in the office all day, every day. Then we were kind of forced to do it anyway. So no one had any choice. And the first three months of that was manic because everyone was, brutal, was yeah. yeah, everyone was just having to do it rather than they heard that they needed to do it at some point in their lives, but didn't think that it was anytime soon. Thanks COVID for that. Uh, and now I hate my house. I just want to go back to work. So everyone's kind of one in this, in this world. So, yeah, I mean, we've got a set of questions to go through. I'll, I'll start off by saying how you and your, the Azure team here at West Coast Cloud kind of dealt with the first change of having to work from home and what you found happening with Azure. We could probably start with the fact that Azure actually ran out of space. That's always a good starting point. We definitely could. Seeing, yeah. see, seeing as we always say at West Coast, it's 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 easy for us. And it is easier for us in, return, in, in regards to ordering of of products because there is no stock management except yeah. when Azure run out of space. So go on. <laughs> yeah, no lead time on uh, hardware deliveries, but you're right. We, we did have some challenges uh, in the first quarter. The UK South data center was having capacity issues. So we, you know, we had to raise uh, tickets to request, you know, additional core allocations and yeah, it was a bit of a struggle, but you know, the support team worked really closely with Microsoft and uh, you know, we got through it. I, I don't think, we had any opportunities that kind of fell through because customers couldn't get the space they needed. We just had to be really hot on it. As soon as people raised tickets, we we knocked quite forcefully on Microsoft's door and said, you know, please, 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 we need to sort this out. 
So, yeah, that was only the first hurdle. Is there more? Yeah, I think there are quite <laughs> a lot of things. You know, looking back, it, it's weird. That seems like a lifetime ago now. I suppose there were quite a lot of things that we that we did working with partners. So, you know, at the outset, I think we prioritised listening. So, you know, we didn't presume to know every nuance of the day-to-day hurdles that partners would be facing. You know, we weren't rushing in to mediate. You know, we, we let our partners vocalise their challenges as they arose and then we met them together. So in those early days, aside from capacity issues, a lot of this actually revolved around flexing customer consumption. And we did this in a few key ways. First, in targeted instances, we literally reduced infrastructure specs in real time. So with furlough, there came in an opportunity to reduce VM spec and license count temporarily. And for the partners that jumped at the chance to do this, I think it afforded them a lot of goodwill. And that's meant that in the long run, we've actually seen greater overall take up of the platform because the approach we've taken alongside our partners, I think validates cloud as the way forward. In fact, we've, you know, we've seen this empirically too. Uh, I can think of scenarios where customer spend reduced in the first six months, but as we continued supporting the partner through that adaption process, the customer actually went on to put more workloads in the cloud precisely because they weren't being penalized for saving costs earlier. You know, consumer confidence, I suppose. It's always a good thing. Always a good thing. Yeah, and and let's not forget uh, a number of our competitors were actually uh, doing the polar opposite. They were putting partners on fixed terms. I mean, they were allowing overage, sure, but not readily and certainly not eagerly facilitating cost economization. And if we compare that to the approach we took, you know, I think one one project really comes to mind. A partner came to us, cap in hand and said, Dave, one of our customers is really struggling. We need to decimate their Azure spend and somehow keep the environment somewhat operational. So that's exactly what we helped them do. And, you know, to help people uh, create a picture of this in their head, the customer, this end user is named after a geometric shape. That's the only cue that you're going to get. But, you know, Jason, one of our architects, he engaged with the partner on four occasions over that first quarter and persistently, you know, tweak after tweak after tweak. Uh, I think it was really great work. If we fast forward, you know, six months later, the end user, you know, the customer is still going strong and the partner's Azure spend is actually higher than at the beginning of the pandemic. I think that's great. (laughs) Yeah, no. And back on back on the point of fixed terms and things, it's always worth noting. And it's why it's why CSP has been so popular in regards to how it works. Yeah. And we we, we don't hold don't hold back with the fact that we we literally charge for what you use. Right. Yeah. So th- there's nothing stopping any one of our partners from upping and going if they find the service that we offer isn't up to what we promise or or we're not delivering what we say. And it's it's always, I think now, if you look at it in a, in a pandemic situation, mm. if this happened 10 years ago or five years ago, when it was, you know, the credits in Azure where you pay yeah. in bulk or <laughs> only pay as you go existed, it would have been... S- I don't even want to start how it would have been no. in regards from a Microsoft point of view, but it seemed to be there's no such thing as a perfect time for it. But from no, a licensing but right. side, yeah, it it was yeah. We've led with the right model, haven't we? You know, if we look at, you know, there are other people that you know. Obviously, you can no longer uh, transact an EA with purely pure Azure usage, but you no. can tack a, a modest Azure spend on top of a chunky 365 EA. Now, you know, if the customer's Azure spend isn't large enough that they're going to see an appreciable price break, I think at times that can actually be a disservice because 
they're losing all the flexibility that CSP offers and they're not actually going to see any you know, appreciable price benefits. So, yeah, I think we've been really consistent. You know, we've led with one single model and, you know, we live and breathe it and we've done everything we can to, you know, to be flexible. So to recap that first point, you know, as soon as the pandemic began, we, I think we were really proactive in, you know, seeking those types of strategic conversations with partners. So that's the first way. I think second, you know, we've been ever more vocal in encouraging partners to keep up with the latest offerings. Now, I'll show you what I mean. If we look at the D-Series virtual machines, just for a moment, just for a moment, Tom. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. I'll, I'll, I'll get <laughs> I know, <laughs> he's about to disconnect. No, <laughs> these are general use VMs, relatively cheap and cheerful. And we're, we're actually on the fifth generation. Microsoft announced this a few weeks ago for a couple of regions. You know, why should you care? Well, each new version brings slightly better performance and slightly better cost. And, you know, going in and making these sort of, you know, every quarter or so, you know, engaging, making these strategic changes with partners, I think it has a huge impact. And, you know, to have the ongoing dialogue, you need a large Azure team. And luckily, we have a team of nine. I had to get that into here somewhere. Good. Well done. <laughs> and I'd also just like to highlight that, you know, when you offer Azure in that way, it's essentially evergreen in the sense that every six months or so, you can upgrade the latest and greatest, you know, and marginally cheaper kit. And I think that's a massive factor that often gets overlooked in that cloud versus hardware refresh conversation. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's true. Yeah, I, th I think, especially with the Evergreen piece, it, it goes back to the point of where we would have been five years ago if this happened. Yeah, my goodness. It's, yeah. it's, it's a dangerous place to be, so yeah. And we do have a team of nine, well done. I can just about count that, yeah. <laughs> Although I, I want a round figure, Tom. <laughs> so. Okay, well, I'll give you a P45, then down to eight. Perfect. Or, or so, do we round it up to 10 rather than even yeah, numbers? Yeah, come on. It, it ruins the flow of the pitch. So, right, third point. I, I think, you know, we've definitely prioritized partner enablement, you know, helping our partners' technical teams become increasingly more self-sufficient with the platform. And, you know, helping them dip their toes into new features. It's all well and good me getting excited and enthusiastic about, you know, virtual desktop or Sentinel, but it's another thing actually deploying it. So, yeah, the bulk of this work has centered around Windows Virtual Desktop in the last year. Uh, and it's actually been so satisfying to see the solution mature. You know, so much of what once had to be done manually with something terrifying to you and me, like PowerShell scripts, <laughs> can now be automated. And I, I love going back to partners and showing people, you know, that weren't convinced in its infancy. <laughs> it's really yeah, come of age, Tom. You know, we need to Yeah, it was, it was, are you using PowerShell, yes or no? No. <laughs> oh, then you need to find someone who can use it rather than what we can do now. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's absolutely brilliant. I can't stop talking about it. So anyone listening that hasn't, you know, had me go on and on about it you know please arrange a call that's what i want to do we could just do an episode on it and then well, we could do an episode <laughs> on WPD, yeah <laughs> we'll, do, we'll do both um yeah but yeah taking that enablement point a bit further on top of the work done there in the trenches with individual partners we've also been running a six-part deployment series and our session around wvd is already up on the partner hub you know that all of our partners have access to so I think it's a really good resource for those planning a virtual desktop deployment because, you know, Steve and I, our technical lead, he, he's fantastic. And he went through all of the critical prereqs and pitfalls that he's seen customers stumble into over the last year and a half. And to be fair to Steve, you know, he's been behind the scenes of well over 100 virtual desktop deployments. So I think it's really good getting his, his perspective. And it's only a half an hour webinar. So I'd encourage people to take a look. 
definitely a good starting point for techies in the planning phase. And I guess that would be one of my hints that like, please have a planning phase. Don't just try and deploy it. That'd be, yeah. I mean, it would be good. I mean, it's hypocritical coming from someone like me. I don't plan anything, but I think, you know. <laughs> yeah, but you don't save the planet. So exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Everyone get a Steve and don't plan. <laughs> yeah. I suppose, you know, fittingly, uh, my next point that I'm going to touch on, it actually wraps around all of the, you know, the other three we've talked about today. You know, with the advent of homeworking came an abundance of people uh, engaging with sensitive company data over a home network. And that's the key bit, you know, much of which are far from robust, especially Steve's, which is god awful. And, you know, getting this right all hinges around identity and respecting it. And, you know, that's something we've really championed as a team. And to be fair, I won't take all that credit. Our modern workplace team has done a fantastic job, you know, talk, being really vocal with partners around this too. And, you know, whether you're looking at Intune and device management, tenancy policies for Active Directory, or, you know, just access to general Azure resources, it is just so important enforcing role-based conditional access or, you know, multi-factor authentication. I, I think it's just a must. Plus, Intune is just awesome, Tom. You know, being able to wipe company data from a personal device whenever someone moves on, it's just so neat, isn't it? Yeah, or if you lose it on the train. Or if you lose it on the train. Yeah, uh, I've never done. Which you've never done. But that's always in the discussion. Of if you lose it, you don't have to go find it again. Bonus. Yeah, and, and taking that point, it's also meant it's totally viable to roll out a virtual desktop to an organization bringing their own device. You know, and that negates the need or the necessity, at least, for a shiny Chromebook order in some cases. So, you know, that further reduces the cost of entry to a solution which had practically no cost of entry in the first place. And that's just the great thing about virtual desktop. Oh, I could talk about it all day, Tom, but it, yeah, it's, it's, it, it is absolutely brilliant. And it's such a... It's a lifesaver for, you know, for customers that every partner that, you know, or any partner, hopefully there are some listening to this, you know, you're going to have a subset of accounts that, you know, are going to be struggling more going into this new year. They, they'll, they'll likely have a depleted IT budget looking at the next calendar year. Being able to offer them a solution with no cost of entry, I, I think that's great. So, you know, cheers, Microsoft, for putting this in uh, early access well before the pandemic kicked off. It was uh, yeah, timing, right? Yeah, timing. We need, to, we need to stop saying this is really good timing for Microsoft because people might start talking. I know, I know. Yeah, they already blame Bill for so many things. I got to say, there's, a, there's enough There's enough of that already yeah. floating around let's the table now. Let's not, let's not fuel the fire. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so what about, so just jumping in for a second, the joys of EAs. So mm-hmm. we've, you know, so, so from, from West Coast Cloud, perspective of West Coast perspective, we don't sell EAs as part of our organization, so no way. <laughs> so for us, it's always been uh, a stumbling block and there's always a reason to an EA. So some, you know, there's, there's a reason they exist. However, and especially from my side, and I don't know if it's the same for you, since the change of uh, the work from home piece and what we've had to do during the pandemic, we've had more and more customers actually look at EAs as more of a, a, a possible stumbling block going forward than a benefit. Especially this is more to be honest, this would be more licensing for, for three six five than Azure. But yeah, when you look at it now, you can't guarantee where your staff are going to be working in the next three months, let alone three years, and what the cost and account will be of the, the staff that you're working with. So have you on the Azure team had more open conversations with partners around EA conversions now that this has happened? Yeah, definitely. And I'm, I'm glad you said that point, because although, although 365 is, you know, years gone by for me, that is actually one of the points I was sort of thinking about while you said the question that um, 
it, there isn't that ease of flexibility and we have to forecast but it's, it's like with hardware isn't it you know we you have to forecast for projected need rather than your current need so yeah okay we it, it, as always it depends because you can get price breaks with EAs but I, I would agree um, there things have been a bit erratic to say the least this year so whether it's workloads and you know the the machines we're using to host applications or just like you say licensing the users that are interacting with that application if we sadly have had to furlough people or you know if if we are going to return to the office but we're going to have an office a third of the size because we realize we don't have to rent something that big yeah i can see i can see ways where it would be less efficient and we have had a lot more commercial conversations where customers said hey we're, we're kind of looking at an ea renewal can you price up csp and I think also just with some of the perpetual licensing and things that are available, whether it's purely that the offering's bigger or whether it's because, you know, we've gotten better and better at what we do as a team, I don't know. But regardless, we are, and you've seen this too, right? We are actually winning more and more deals against, you know, EAs as an equivalent where CSPs actually looking better price-wise. Yeah, because if, if, if you're clever with it. Yeah. And it's not, if it's like for like, your chances are slim. Yes, but if if you if you recognise and it's it's all about getting on a call right with the yeah everything question if you if you, if you speak to them around it and see what they actually want to get out of it totally well that's it isn't it in fact you've that's a that would be a good way of tying that point up I think the whole issue is that often when someone's trying to renew an EA it's almost like you know transactional engage with the account it's the first time you talk to them in three again in three years and you just you yeah. close the PO get that repeat order there isn't really any there's not there's no necessarily an incentive to get in there and tweak things particularly as they're going to commit to an Azure spend or a license total sure they can go with overage but usually they're going to be penalized or or they certainly won't get any credit back I think things might have moved on since <laughs> since I was looking at my MCP but that's certainly how that was then so it would yeah it would take take that away so i think you're right i like being right once <laughs> it's a rare occasion yeah we'll, we'll yeah we'll pause that take a moment <laughs> yeah that's fine definitely so i guess i've only really got one more question left for you which mm -hmm. is probably the important one <laughs> well they're all important but i'll give you the most important one in my head which is we've had the last year of a pandemic wvd is now out seems to be going quite well from our side i mean oh yeah yeah, and we'll get the episode as promised for you. Don't worry, you can talk about it as much as you like. But what's coming in the next, you know, year, 18 months from Microsoft? What's on the horizon now for them? Because if this is here and Sentinel, which we're going to touch on another yeah. podcast episode, is, is, is launched, what's coming now? Okay, right. Well, I suppose a couple of things. I know what Microsoft are keen on and excited about. And to be fair, they were excited about this a couple of years ago. But, you know, you have that saying, don't you? You know, my, Microsoft are five years ahead of the channel and the channel's usually five years forward thinking to customers, you know, the poor customers that are trying to keep up with all the changes we're making. But yeah, Microsoft were really enthusiastic about using containers as a way for people to deploy their, you know, their, their, their workloads in Azure. And we've started having preliminary conversations with a few partners, it, definitely in its elementary stages. But again, if someone is listening to this and they think containers are cool or they want to understand them, yeah, get in touch because we, we, we have had a few really productive conversations around these. And that that is what I would foresee in the, the medium term. The next two or three years, I think that will become a lot more prevalent. But in maybe the shorter term, you know, what's what's where, what are we sort of gravitating towards? I think, you know, there's a greater shift towards putting Azure workloads on PaaS or, you know, platform as a service, you know, for certain workloads. We ha we're actually having a lot of conversations around database options where uh, basically 
think of it as Microsoft managing everything under the SQL service itself. So, you know, that uh, there's basically less to manage under that and you can actually focus on whatever it is you're actually looking to do with SQL. So if, you know, if you've, if you've hired a contractor to do some SQL development work, the last thing you want to do is wait for a, you know, a bit of kit to ship or, or, or even if you're, you know, using IaaS in Azure, you, you know, you spin up your virtual machine, you put your image on, you put your SQL on, that's still wasting time. And, you know, these SQL devs, the hourly rate, you know, even makes my eyes water. So <laughs> you, you don't want to waste that time. And that this would be an example of where you could just use uh, a Microsoft PaaS service where Microsoft do all that faff and you just get to you know get down and dirty with the service obviously what you lose is some of the granular control over it so yeah it, it, uh, like with everything it, you know it depends or you know quoting steve your mileage may vary with each solution but we are seeing we're having way more conversations around PaaS options so i i kind of anticipate that continuing and you know i think windows virtual as, as mad as it is and as much as we've talked about it i still think it's literally just the beginning because it's getting better and better and more and more people are you know expressing interest and realizing how economically it priced and how performant it is compared to rds or just about everything else out there sorry citrix <laughs> you're not you're not sorry <laughs> so yeah that's yeah that's kind of where i see things going but you know, I might so get wrong. Okay, cool. Well, I think that's that's pretty much it. I think we've we've yeah. we we said when we were making them, we don't want to go on for too long. We kind of want it into like chunks that the average. I tried hard, Tom. But yeah. You did. Yeah, you've done. You've done really well. Like, <laughs> I know that you're already writing the WVD one now, yeah. so oh, yeah. that's fine. So yeah, I think what's going to happen now is they're going to give us a jingle to sign off with because we've got an intro jingle and an outro jingle nice. already. Because that was the first thing that was discussed when we were making a podcast is that you needed music at the start at the end. Yeah. Not just other people's unnamed podcasts making weird noises like certain celebrities do. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so thank you very much for your time, Dave. It's been a pleasure as always. Yeah, um, Tom, it's been cool. I shall contact you again because we have, I think for the Azure lot, we've got around three or four episodes in the series. So yeah. you'll be hearing from Dave again at some point. I need to see how it's going to fit in the schedule. So yeah, I look forward to it. And I challenge anyone listening, please just I don't know, reach out our team inbox. Wait, challenge? That's so aggressive. But nah, I, I challenge, encourage you. Challenge. Yeah, I challenge you. Come on, it's Friday <laughs> morning. What else are you doing? You know, come to Azure at WestCoastCloud.co.uk. Ask us a question. You know, challenge something I've said or bring us an opportunity. Yeah, it, it, I don't know. It, we'd love to hear who's been listening and what you thought of yeah. today's discussion. If you want, if you have any. Any ideas around what you want Dave to talk about in some episodes, just let us know because we can yeah, put something together. Or if you've got any partners who want to come on it and see what their, you know, situations have been like or challenges around the last year or what they're seeing, then that'd be fun. This is this is it's an open forum pretty much for whoever wants it. Easy. Anyway, until next time, thank you very much, Dave. Yeah, no, cheers, Tom. Have Thanks. a great weekend. I'm making homemade nachos. It's gonna Are be great. You? Yeah. I'm not. <sighs> I'm tidying the flat okay it's got to be done i'm looking forward to when it goes back to normal though and life is just normal because i just won't tidy anything i have no time so yeah it may as well look nice now because... no cleaner tom nah no i'm not that, is that a bit too like bourgeoisie for you yeah because i can clean i've got a hoover and i have hands sure i haven't got a cleaner either yeah. no, anyway thank you very much cool yeah no go on yeah. yeah yeah speak to you soon cheers tom <laughs>